This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. When we look at our Parsha this week, Parshat Akev, I think we would be correct in assessing that this is a Parsha of Brit, of Covenant. When we open the first lines of the of the parsha we see if you listen to these commands to these judgments then if you keep the commands then god will keep his side of the covenant he will keep the brit the covenant and the chesed the kindness or maybe we should call Chesed the intimate relationship which he had with your forefathers. And how does that manifest itself? It manifests itself in the same manner that we see in Parsha B'chukotai, in Parsha Kitavo, in all the places where we have the blessings and the curses, which is we will have um, population expansion, we will have agricultural prosperity, and you will be blessed uh, beyond the usual for all people, you will have no illness, etc. This is the beginning of the parsha of Ahaya Ekev Tishma'un. At the end of the chapter 8, it says, But if you forget God, and you serve other gods, then you will be destroyed in the same manner of the nations who I'm going to destroy before you. And then it ends off with the same word, because the same word Ekev, Ekev Tishmaun, in Perak Zayin, Pasuk Yudbet, and in the last Pasuk in Perak Chet, Ekev, Lotishmaun, Bekol Hashem Alokechem. In other words, what we have here is a very clear equation. Listen to the Torah, and you will have a booming national fortune. If you don't listen to the Torah, then you will suffer the same fate as the nations who I'm driving out from before you. And this, by the way, is a consistent theme in Torah, that we get no special conditions. As Am Yisrael, we uh, might be being given the land, but if we misbehave, if we don't uphold the high moral standard of Eretz Yisrael, then we will forfeit our right to be able to exist here as a, na- as a nation state. Interestingly, the end of the parasha gives us the same equation. And we're familiar with this from the third paragraph, from the second paragraph of the Shema. If you listen to my commands, then I will give you the rain. And in that case, it almost mirrors what we heard before, where we heard about 
וברחך, ורבך וברך פי בנך ופי אדמתך, דגנך ותירושך ויתערך. Just like at the beginning, if you listen to the laws, you will get the grain, the wine and the oil. Similarly, at the end of the parasha. Um, and of course, if you do not listen, if you follow um, the path of idol worship, then God will be furious with you and he will close up the heavens and there won't be any rain and the land will go to rack and ruin once again the language is very very similar between the last pasuk of Perakhet and the pasukim here here it's there it is similar language um, the whole framework of Parshat Ekev is one of covenants is one of uh, Brit is one of reward and punishment is one in which we understand that our tenure in Eretz Yisrael that our ability to be able to function here is um, contingent upon our upholding the Torah. In this context, uh, I'd like to draw attention to three concerns that the people have. And there is a very careful usage of language in Parshat Ekev, where all the time it refers, Ki tomar Maybe you will say in your heart, in fact, the, the usage of the of the lave, of the heart, uh, maybe representing feelings, worries, concerns, thoughts, um, continually comes up in the parsha. Each time we have a concern, God, re- God reminds us that Zachar, um, remember something. Remember something historically, and it will put your fears at rest, or it will reorient you. So I'm going to read through the <clears throat> three or possibly four places where we have these thoughts which are going on in your heart, and we will see how the parsha constructs an argument um, which leads to an understanding or a clarification of the role of halacha um, or the role of Torah in the, in the, in the life of the nation. Here I'm going to start reading from Perek Zion, Pasuk Yudzayim. Ki tomar bilvavacha, rabim hagoyim ha'ele mimeni eicha ucha lohorisham. If you will say in your heart, Oh my goodness, there are so many uh, people in this land. Rabim hagoyim ha'ele. There are too many enemies. Eicha ucha lohorisham. How am I ever going to capture this land? God says, don't be scared. Remember what God did in Egypt. The first concern is a strategic one, that we will simply not be able to defeat our enemies. The proof text, the Zachar Tiskar, is remember the exodus from Egypt, remember the miracles, Remember the miracles and the wonders, the signs, the, outstre- the, the strong arm in the 
uh, outstretched hand of God and it'll be okay. That's concern number one. Concern number two is where we say and here it is less of a concern but more of a feeling which is um you will find this at the end of Perechet. Here is another type of concern that somebody might have, or, or rather I should say a state of mind. Before the concern was, I don't have enough strength. At the end of chapter 8, the concern is that a person is too independent, not too insecure, but too independent. The worry is, and I will read some of the the uh, language here. Pentirbe, um, you'll come into the you'll come into the land. Pentochal v'sabata, you will eat and be satisfied. Uvatim tovim you will build beautiful houses. Ovakarachavaton chayir bryun, you will have cattle. Bekesef zahabir berlachavachol asher chayir be. In other words, you will be wealthy landowners. And now look at the Uses of, usage of the word heart. Now your heart will become high. And notice this word. So what does he say? And what will you. You'll say in your heart. It is my strength. And it is the. It is the strength of my hands. Who have created all of this wealth all of this fortune, all of this uh, protection, then, remember God, in other words, we have a interesting situation once again, where we have, what's going on in your heart? Before, you were worried, you were insecure, how am I going to vanquish this nation? Remember what God did in Egypt. Now there's a different thing going on in your heart. It's not insecurity, but it is over-security. You will say in your heart, I have achieved everything here. God says, The answer is, remember. And what do you have to remember? In the previous example, you had to remember that the experience of the exodus if you're insecure and you don't believe in your strength god says well i can do miracles for you so if a person is over secure a person believes that they have managed to build up all their wealth what are they going to remember how are they going to remember that it is god who provides to them and here we also have a historical precedent the historical precedent is Vazacharta, it's in Perekhet, Pasukbet. Vazacharta et koladerach asholicha shamalakecha ze arbaim shamabamibar. Remember the whole way that God led you through the wilderness for 40 years in order to make you suffer, to test you, to know whether you would keep his mitzvot or not. And he starved you, and he made you suffer, and he fed you the man, which asheloya data. Which was unprecedented. And why? It is not only bread which man produces, which will make 
human beings live. We live by that which God provides or by the word of God. In other words, if the cure for our insecurity is to remember the miracles of Egypt, the cure for our feelings, for our overconfidence, for our self-dependence, is another historical uh, precedent, and that is the historical precedent of the Midbar, of the wilderness, where we were absolutely dependent. We were totally dependent upon God. And therefore, remember God, do note that in the Parsha there is obviously a very clear play on and also what is going on in your heart. In your heart, or maybe we would nowadays say in our mind. Chapter 9, Paraktet, gives us a third concern. And it talks, interestingly enough, Moshe Rabbeinu uses fascinating language here. He says, you're coming into the land to um, vanquish nations, who are greater and stronger than you, in other words. He's making no bones about the fact that this slave nation coming out of the wilderness are not as strong as the indigenous population of Eretz Kena'an. And he uses the phrase, um, which the Meraglim used, Arim Am Gadol Anakim. In other words, he says, you remember what the Meraglim said? They were correct, but we're going to win anyway. And you should know that God is passing before you. He's a consuming fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them, etc. And now we come to the third concern. Don't say in your heart. What shouldn't you say? Well, we've just heard that God is going to vanquish the nations. He's going to defeat them. And you might say, You know why God is bringing me into the land? He's bringing me into the land because I am so righteous. I am so good. Am Israel, we are on such a high spiritual and moral standard, on such a high religious standard. Of course God is doing things for us. And on this, God says, you should know that's not true. Zachor al tishkach. Remember, do not forget once again. Al Don't say in your heart. You will have a feeling of overconfidence. Not, not because you've done everything, but because you'll see God doing everything, and you'll say, "Wow, God loves us because we're so good." So what is? We need a historical precedent. We need a historical lesson. To put us into place. Don't forget how you angered God um, when you were in the wilderness. From whenever you came out of Egypt till you came to this place, you were rebels towards God. And he starts launching into the description of the Egel Hazahav. I'm mentioning other um, terrible rebellions and, and mistakes of the Midbar at the same time.
So what we see when we're looking at this week's parsha, uh, trying to frame it, um, is a fascinating structure. The parsha begins with the two options. Ekev tishma'un. If you listen, everything will go great. The other option is Ekev lo tishma'un. If you don't listen, perchet pasukhaf, then avod toveidun, um, you will be destroyed. The parsha ends off with the second paragraph of the Shema. Im shamotishmu'un. If you listen, then fine. If you don't, then you will suffer uh, ruin and destruction. In the middle, or even interwoven into the structure, are three concerns. And what we're constantly balancing here, and this is a balance which I think animates uh, our religion till this day. The question obviously is what is the part of man and what is the part of God um, at times we can feel too um, too low too humble too meek too unable to act and we will say you know what do you want me to do how can I fight this battle in that regard God says don't worry I can do miracles I did miracles in Egypt you do your part I will help you. But there are other times when we can uh, become overconfident. And this is in one of two ways. Either we're overconfident because we eclipse God, we sideline God, we say, we've done it all. That's one type of overconfidence. And God says, wait, 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 do you always do it all? Do you remember the wilderness? And the other type of overconfidence is when we feel that God is in our pocket. God is on our side. God is so much with us that um, God will do whatever we want. That we are um, we are invincible, and we are invincible because uh, we bear God on our shoulders. We have a status as the chosen people, and that God will never give up on us. And that is also a religious error. So you can see how there is a very delicate game being played here psychological game each time and each time um, Moshe reminding the people or um, remembering something historical in order to put us put us right so what is happening in this parsha this parsha, as I said, is dealing with um, the questions of how far does, is, is the role of man and how, what exactly is the role of God. And in this regard, I would like to move to a, to a further theme, and that is the theme of water in Parsha Ekev. Um, you know, here in Israel, we don't have very much water. And when everybody, at this time of year, uh, the kids are off school and everybody is traveling up north. And it's quite incredible how everybody packs into a rather small segment of the country up in the Galil Ha'elion. And uh, we all engage in water teolim, going on um, kayaks down the river, down the same river, uh, in a rather... Um, packed way because we're trying to 
in the, in the, the boiling heat of the August sun, um, somehow enjoy the small amount of water there is in Eretz Yisrael. How are we to relate to water? Am Yisrael at, at the verge of entering the land. How is the land described in Parashat Ekev? It says here in, in Perak Chet, Pasuk Zayin, Ki Hashem Eretz Torah. God is bringing you into a good land. Eretz Nachalei Mayim. It is a land of streams. There are springs and hidden depths, subterranean waters, which emerge out of the valleys and the hills. Eretz as one of my rabbis once said to me, if you read this description, you might think that uh, Israel was Switzerland uh, with pools and waterfalls and God knows what. The truth is, this is not incorrect. Uh, where, where I live in Gush Etzion, um, in general, the whole agriculture around the hills of uh, Hare Yehuda uh, is based on Ma'ayanot. It is based on um, springs which come out and even though they trickle a very little amount of water, what the farmer generally will do is he will gather the small trickle into a pool and then be able to direct the waters of the pool into uh, his field. This is what we know in the Mishnah as Sadeha uh, Shlachim, because you are Sholeach the water. You direct the water, you send the water uh, into the fields from the Ma'ayan. This is one type of... Uh, of water which is described in the Parsha. However, at the end of the Parsha, we already spoke about the second paragraph of the Shema, we talk about the rain. And here, um, in Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud, we have famous Pasukim once again. Ki ha'aretz misham. Israel is not like Egypt which you have left, you sow your seed in the field, and you water the field like a vegetable garden. You will have to drink from the uh, rainwater. It is a land which God seeks out always. God is watching this land. His eyes are on this land from the beginning of the year till its end. Now here, many people have commented, we don't understand. In chapter 8, it said that we have We have springs and we have uh, depths, pools. Now we say, no, this is not like Egypt. You don't have a river. Instead, you have rain. So what is Parshat Ekev saying about the state of water in uh, Eretz Yisrael? And how does this uh, merge with the themes that we've mentioned earlier? So let's begin by trying to contrast Egypt and Israel and understand uh, what is going on. Um, Rashi here um, makes an attempt to understand the difference between Eretz Yisrael and um, Mitzrayim and Rashi says that uh, what's going on here 
is that Eretz Yisrael has a special bracha. In Egypt, you have to schlep the water, uh, you have to actually carry the water. In Eretz Yisrael, if we follow God's law, God rains directly into our fields. Now this would be nice, and Rashi wasn't to know since he lived in you know, France, Germany, but uh, certainly Egypt is at an advantage. And uh, other Rishonim said it very clearly, the Bukhar Shah, for example, where he said that um, Egypt is a valley with the Nile flowing through it. And what does it mean, not like Rashi, who says that you have to actually carry the water, but rather that when a person needs water for his field, there are irrigation channels in Egypt. If you remember your history, ancient Egypt classes, uh, you have the Nile. And when the Nile rises, there are irrigation channels. All the person needs to do is to open the block, which blocks the irrigation channel with his foot, and suddenly the water pours into his irrigation channel and waters his field. And when he's had enough water, he closes the hole, he closes the, the, the channel, and everything's fine. However, in, in other words, in Egypt, you have a steady supply of water, however much you want. In Eretz Yisrael, we're always on, on tender hooks. We're always wondering, will there be enough rain? Won't there be enough rain? And that's still true, obviously, until today. And the question then is, number one, why was Eretz Yisrael described as a land of Ayanot and of Utahomot, of uh, streams and, and uh, springs, if it's not that way? And what is the purpose of this, of this description? So let's uh, go back to our theme of dependence and independence. When you read chapter 8, chapter 8 is not, doesn't mention the rain. Why not? Because chapter 8 is contrasting the Midbar with Eretz Yisrael. And what it seeks to say is, when you were in the wilderness, you really had nothing, and all you had to do was to depend on God. But now are you going into Eretz Chita Usora Vegefen Utin Einav Rimon Eretz Zeit Shemon Udvash? The aim here is to say, you are going into a natural land. You are not going into a miraculous land. Eretz Israel is not a land in which we live by miracles. We have to engage in our own agriculture. It is Eretz Barzel You will have to hew into its stones for iron and for copper within its hills. What's it trying to say here? That we have unbelievable natural resources? That would be a lie. We know we don't. No. It's talking to a wilderness generation who has spent a generation in the wilderness where there aren't these natural resources. And it says to them, you're going into Eretz Israel. You're going into a natural land. You won't get water from a magical Be'er. You'll get water out of the out of the hillside. You won't get your food from the man. It will be Eretz Chital Sora Rimon. You will have to mine the hills, to quarry the hills, to get whatever metals you want. And now, we return back to our problem. What happens when you've done all those things? Will you think it's all you? No, you've got to understand that it is God. You have to understand that just like in the wilderness, God produced water from a stone, likewise, even when water comes naturally, 
it is still by virtue of the grace of God. And that's why we read this Pasuk in our Birchad Amazon, where it says, what's the purpose of all of this? That, that when you eat, even though you're the one who ploughed the field, and even though you're the one who harvested the, the grain, when you eat and are satisfied, you will bless God. So the description of Israel is not to show that it is abundant in natural resources, even though we have plenty here. Baruch Hashem, a beautiful land, and uh, we have the wherewithal to provide the things that we need. Nonetheless, the purpose is to show not that Israel is a bountiful land, but rather that Israel is a natural land. And that raises the problem of overconfidence, of self-dependence, of eclipsing God. The counterweight to that is the rain is the fact that we cannot subsist in this area of the Middle East without rain. I mentioned before the agriculture, mentioned uh, agriculture which is um, irrigated by the, uh, by the springs which come out from the, from the hillsides here. But likewise, if you look at any archaeological site, you will see the Borot Mayim, the water cisterns, if anybody's visited Masada or wherever it may be, you see in every single ancient site that people had to harvest all of the rainwater that they could find and let the water run into uh, water systems so they would have enough water to survive the summer. The, the, the rain is tremendously important and this constant dependent on rain means that we are always in an insecure position. The difference between Egypt and Israel is that Egypt always have the Nile and the Nile is not going away and that means that a person can be confident they can know that their future is predictable and secure you don't need to feel um, dependent on anything you control society you control your own prosperity you control um, your survival but in Eretz Israel, you are not uh, given this illusion of mastery. In in the mountain lands of Eretz Israel, as opposed to the riverlands of Egypt, um, you are totally aware all the time because you're waiting for the rain that you are dependent on God, and that human existence has to depend on Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So. Once again, with the use of with the use of the, the water of Eretz Israel, we see a wonderful interplay between on the one hand saying we're not in the Midbar, we don't rely on miracles. We are going into a land which has its Chitan Sora and Gefen Vitain We're in a land which has its Ayanototono Yotzimba Bahar. We don't want to live a land of mir- a, a life of miracles. We want to live a life which is independent. On the other hand, Hashem says, you won't be able to be independent just from the water sources that I'm giving you. You're going to have to rely on the rain. And along with the rain, I'll read the line again, The land which you are going to possess is Eretz Harim Uvka'ot, a land of hills and valleys, 
you will need to drink the water from the rain. And then it says, Eretz Hashem Hashem Elokecha Doreshota. It is a land which God seeks out. Tamid Ene Hashem Elokecha Ba Mereshit Hashana Barachrit Hashana. I think many of us are aware of a tradition that a person's paranasa, a person's livelihood, his wealth, his prosperity, is set from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. I have no idea whether this is true, but I know where it comes from. It comes from this pasuk. Because this pasuk mentions the rain, and of course the rain is the central factor as to whether a farmer will be prosperous or not. A farmer obviously needed rain, and if there would be a drought, he would lose his wealth. Um, he would lose his fortune. And if there was bountiful rain, then he would become a rich man that year. When it talks about the rain and says, Eretz asher Hashem Elokecha God seeks this land. Einei Hashem Elokecha Ba'mereishit HaShana Arachrit HaShana God looks at the land from its beginning to its end of the year. And it sounds like God decides at the beginning of the year how much rain there will be in the course of the year. Now, I don't know whether that's true, but the point here is that relying on the rain is relying on God. And here we return to this theme that we cannot inherit Israel. <coughs> we cannot inherit Israel be over independent. We are always forced into a situation of dependence. And this dependence underscores the fact that this is a special land. This is a special land where we are in constant contact with God. And being in contact with God all the time we now return to the theme of Brit, of covenant, where the agriculture, the wealth of the land, the success of our national existence is dependent upon what? Upon the mitzvot. Upon the mitzvot that we keep. There is amazing midrash, a, a sort of parable in the Sifrei. Um... The Sifrei on Akev on this week's parsha, which reads the following way. I'll read it in English. A king toward his kingdom. He came across a person of noble descent who had fallen upon hard times and he gave him a servant to assist him. Later he met another man of noble descent who had come upon hard times and was engaged in menial, menial labor. But this man was a personal friend and he knew his family well. He told him, I promise that I will personally supply you with all your needs and you will have no need to work. Similarly, all lands were given servants. Egypt drinks from the Nile. Babylon drinks from the Euphrates. The land of Israel is different. They sleep in their beds and God makes the rain fall for them. This Midrash says that every other country um, has a secure livelihood. Every other country has a wonderful large river which ensures that, uh, and this is the servant of God. God is sending the means whereby, God loves every nation, God is sending the means through the river whereby they will be able to get uh, their water, their irrigation, their economy. But the only country who doesn't have a subsidiary, some sort of servant, a river, is Eretz Israel. It's in Eretz Israel, where there is no river. So who is going to look after us? In this case, because we are the special personal friend of the king of Akadosh Baruch Hu, God says, 
I promise you I will personally supply you with all your needs. That I will give you the rain directly into your fields. In other words, Eretz Yisrael is a place of greater intimacy with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with a greater kesher to God. And yet, because we are so close to God, of course, if we fall short of his demands, if we don't keep the covenant, then we suffer uh, from God withdrawing his grace, withdrawing his kindness, withdrawing his reign. What I've tried to illustrate in today's shiur is this uh, fascinating matrix which is drawn by Parshat Akev, the notion of the covenant and the fascinating tension between uh, the independence of man and man's dependence on God. The tendency of man to uh, be totally self-reliant and the tendency of God to continually bring him back to a position of reliance, of dependence, and thereby to ensure the continuation of the covenant with its rewards and with its penalties. Thank you very much. Wishing you all Shabbat Shalom.